know, the Bible says that when they got filled with the Holy Ghost, that they prayed in tongues and magnified God. Amen? Well, you know, if you can speak in tongues, you can worship in tongues. Amen? And so let's magnify God either in English or in the Spirit, but from our hearts. Let's sing to the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for freedom. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you remember back in, uh, this would have been before I met Brenda, back in uh, probably 75. And um, being in a kind of a home fellowship, it was a large home and there was a lot of people in this home in Alexandria, Minnesota. It was called Resurrection City. And I can remember just coming together with a bunch of believers and just worshiping in tongues like we were just now. And uh, it would seem as if that when we worship the Lord that His presence and His power just kept building and building. And and it, it seemed as if when we were worshiping God that there were doors that were opening. And, uh, and doors to rooms. As I see it now and really didn't know what it was. And uh, the spirit of prophecy, you know, would uh, drop on people. And, and uh, you know, of course, as the spirit of prophecy would move through them, that would bring edification and exhortation and comfort. And I can remember as a young young Christian that 
as I worshiped the Lord, it just seemed like there was a door open unto me. And there was a room I would enter into. And that room for me at that time in my life was just a simple gift of prophecy. And, and just stepping out and, and giving a word. I didn't give a word that night. But, you know, in other church services, I can remember just a small group of us. The spirit of prophecy would come upon me and I would just speak something out. And, of course, I was young and so it wasn't, you know, super developed. But it was as it was. And so I just believe this tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that in this time of refreshing that we're in, in this season of the Holy Spirit... As many people have been filled last weekend and refilled, that I believe that there's a there's a uh, something wonderful happens when we worship like we did. That God will open up doors for you, doors of utterance, and you'll begin to sense in your spirit to to say things and to speak things out, and it might be in the privacy of your own uh, uh, in your own home or whatever the case may be. But uh, I believe that the infilling of the Holy Spirit is an opening of a door to greater things in the supernatural realm with God. Amen? It might be miracles, you know. Some of you in days ahead might kind of sense your hands burning a little bit, you know. And uh, your hands burning, what that means is God wants you to lay hands on people. And for the purpose of blessing them and for the purpose of healing. Amen? So don't be surprised if some doors don't open for you. Especially in the, in the spirit of worship like we did. Uh, I don't even really know how to describe it other than just deposits are made. And from that place you just leave and God gives you opportunities to minister. Amen? How many of you are open to the Holy Spirit? Lord, we're open to you tonight. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and let's go up a little higher right now. Go ahead and sing to the Lord. Whether you sing in English or whether in tongues, it really doesn't matter. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yela mandolo bosura banana la bosuri lelele moho. Yela bala bosande lelala la bosata. Yela lololo boshela lololo boso. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord, bless Lord, entering in. Masekele Entering in. Thank you, Lord. We enter in, Lord. We enter in. We thank you, Lord, for it. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Masekele Brotole Meshe. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. And you are the God who opens doors that no man can shut. Thank you, Father. 
for opening a great door, an effectual door. Oh, Yes, Lord. To walk in. To walk into that place. To walk into that place prepared from before the foundation of the world. To walk into that room. That place of grace. Oh, Father. May we all enter in. Enter in. Enter in. Enter into the thing that you have prepared already. Already prepared. The room was already there. Hallelujah. Oh, we worship you, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. It opens by your spirit. Not by the works of the flesh, not by the effort of man, but entering in by the grace of God and by the Spirit. Yes, Lord, every one of us. Yes, 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 yes. The things that you have prepared for them that love you. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Paths to walk in. Which you predestined. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good paths. The good life. Oh, Makele Dishteya. Oh, Brekisafatola Marene. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's all there. It's all there for us. Yes, we enter in. We receive it. We take it by faith, Father. We take it by faith tonight in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, praise God. You may be seated. God's good, is he not? You know, think about that in Ephesians chapter 2. You can look over there in verse 10. You know, God loves us so much. He's just got some awesome things prepared for you. And uh, his hand's on you for good. Even though it may not always seem like it is, His hand is upon you for good. His favor is upon you. His favor surrounds you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's on your side. And if the Lord be with you and for you, who can be against you? I love this verse of Scripture in Ephesians 2.10. It says in the Amplified, For we are God's uh, own handiwork, His workmanship, and the children are dismissed. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time. Amen. That we should walk in them. So God's got some paths that He's prepared ahead of time for us. And I believe that when we walk with Him, our steps will take us right into those paths. And as we're obedient to Him... And as we stay in the realm of the Spirit, we'll not get off the path, but we'll be able to stay on the path. Now notice with me, paths which He has prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them. So walking in them causes us to live the good life. Okay? Which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. So there's something about finding the path, getting on the path, and staying on the path that enables you and I to live the good life. Amen? Amen? Amen. You could say that the path is God's plan for your life. The path is God's gift of grace upon your life. The path is what He's got you to do and what He's placed in your heart and your supply and your portion in the body of Christ. These are awesome paths. And so as we walk in these paths, then we can live the good life. And the good life is, is not just about material things. It includes material things. But the good life is so far out beyond material things. Now, we all like the comforts of good things in the natural realm. But good things with God are those not only natural blessings, but spiritual blessings. Amen. It's having... Uh, days of heaven on earth in your marriage. It's, it's enjoying a peace 
that transcends your understanding, when there's all sorts of turmoil going on around you, when you should be caving in, you just can't. Why? Because the Prince of Peace is holding you up. Amen? Those are good things. The good life, the good life is the God kind of life. It is the God quality of life. It is not only life in quantity, but it is life in quality. It is life as God has it. These good things are well worth uh, uh, having and receiving and expecting in your life. But there is a cost, if you will, to walking in those good things. And that's being obedient to the plan and walking in the paths that he has predestined and foreordained for you to walk in. Amen. Amen? Amen. And, you know, God's paths are not hard to find. We don't have to... Uh, we don't have to uh, make it more difficult, you know, by trying to reason out what is the plan of God? What is the will of God for me? You know, when you look in the Bible, you see that there's 66 books of God's plan and God's will and God's paths for you. He's got a path for you to walk in. And it's designed and it's charted out right here in the word. Isn't that right? The path. Hallelujah. Of the good life. And the steps of a good man, they're ordered by the Lord. And if you're a good man or a good woman walking, you're doing your best to walk in the will of God and walk in the word of God, your steps will take you right into it because God is leading you into those paths. Hallelujah. It's a good life. It's an awesome life. You know, there's billionaires tonight potentially that maybe can't even sleep. I don't know any billionaires myself. I don't have any acquaintances with billionaires, but I know that Howard Hughes was a billionaire, wasn't he? And Howard Hughes couldn't hardly leave his apartment or leave his penthouse. Why? Because he was so paranoid and so afraid of, of uh, germs and getting contaminated. Well, all the money in the world could not buy Howard Hughes, the peace of God. And, and so that's not a good life. When we're paralyzed by fear, that's not a good life. But being fear-free and faith-filled and joy-filled is the kind of life that Jesus came to give you. He said, I've come that you might have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the good life. Hallelujah. The good life is a fear-free life. Amen. The good life, whether you realize it or not, is a disciplined life. Where you're not running out of control. You're not entering into a lascivious lifestyle. Where the brakes are off, so to speak. Where the flesh is in control. No, the good life is when your spirit, by the Holy Spirit, is in charge of your body. And your mind lines up with what you have in your heart. That's the good life. See, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But He gave you a spirit of uh, power and love and of a sound mind. Amen? I like what the Amplified says there. can't quote it right now, so let's look over there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 in the Amplified version. It's the good life. It's the God life. Glory to God. Be thankful for the life that you have. If things are tough, don't worry about it. Your life is good. Hallelujah. It don't get any gooder than going to heaven. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy 1, 7. Notice this with me. He says, For God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And the Amplified says this, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving, and cringing, and fawning fear, but He's given us a spirit of power, and of love, and of a calm, and well-balanced mind. Think about that. A well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. A well-balanced mind is a person who is operating in discipline and temperance. In other words, they're not out of control. They're in control because they're living the spirit-controlled life, not the flesh-controlled life. The flesh-controlled life will get you out of control, but the Holy Spirit-controlled life will keep you on the right path and hold you steady in turbulent times. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. I'm living Amen. by the grace of God. The, grace of God. The, Holy the Holy Spirit 
controlled life. Amen. That's the good life. Not just, you know, being out of control with your emotions. Not one day up and one day down. One day on the mountaintop in God and one day in the valley, you know. Uh Uh-uh. No, praise God. God wants us to walk in a consistent lifestyle with Him. Therefore, when we experience the mountaintops, we'll understand that we're not always going to be on the mountaintops. And when we experience the valleys, we understand we're not always going to be in the valleys. We're just walking through the valley. Come on, somebody. But whatever the mountaintop or the valley, we know that God is God, Jesus is Lord, and we're coming out of it no matter what. Oh, glory to God. That's the good kind of life. The God quality of life. You know, I look back at the last 35 years of our life. Brenda and I met down in in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma in 1977. Fell in love like young people should do. Amen. Fall in love, praise God, according to the Word of God. Got married over there in 1977. I look back at the last 35 years of our life. It's been a good life. It's been an awesome life. God never intended your marriage to be hell on earth. God wants your marriage to be heaven on earth. But in order for your mate, in order to get hell out and keep heaven in, in your marriage, you gotta stay on the right path. You can't just be out flaking around, doing your own thing, in one day and out the next, up one day and down the next. No, you've got to be a hearer, a doer, a spirit-controlled person that's on fire for God. And I'm telling you, if you will put Jesus Christ first place in your marriage, if you will put Jesus Christ first place in your life, The Bible says, if you seek first Him and His way of being and doing right, that all these other things shall be added unto you. You will not have to add to your own life when you've got Him first place in your life. The Bible says that the good things in the life will come upon you and overtake you. Amen. It's a good life when you can stay married. It's a good life when you don't quarrel and fight and spit and kick and cuss and put each other down. It's a good life when you can love one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has loved you. It's a good life in your marriage when you can forgive one another. It's a good life in your marriage when you can understand that you're not always going to agree on everything, but you choose to disagree without being disagreeable because you're on the same team, the Thomas team. And if one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand to flight. It's a good life. But you see, God has set forth certain principles to walk in in your relationships. Certain principles to walk in in your marriage relationship. Certain principles to walk in in your friendships. Really all relationships fall under one cardinal law and it is the royal law of love. The royal law of love. If you will just take 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in the amplified version... And memorize that and meditate on that and do your level best by the grace of God and with the Holy Spirit's help to walk in that, you will find that your relationships are going to be all right. Hallelujah. It's a good life. It's a good life. Now, I don't condemn anyone that's been divorced. I know that divorce is a bad thing. I know divorce is a difficult thing. And I know that people have been through it. And the grace of God is there, praise God, to, to, to love them, praise God, and to restore them and to bring them a new person. Amen. I know that divorce is not, you know, the will of God or the plan of God, but I'm no dummy. I've been pastoring 35 years. I know that people get divorced, and I know that God loves divorced people just as much as He loves married people. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. But I'm telling you what, whether you've been divorced, whether you're married, the cardinal law, the royal law of love 
is a major key to staying on God's pathway for your life. One step off the love path is a step into the sin path. One step off the love walk is a step into the selfishness path. A step into the selfishness path is a step into the sin path. And you don't want to be there. 1 Corinthians 13 says that love is patient. Love endures long. Love is kind. Love is not envious. Neither does it boil over with jealousy. This God kind of love that resides on the inside of us is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. But this God kind of love on the inside of you is ever ready to believe the best of every person. It doesn't rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. This love on the inside of you is ever ready to believe the best of every person. That includes your mate. That includes the person sitting next to you. That includes your friend. That includes your pastor. Amen. The love of God. I said the love of God. The love of God, it never fails. The love of God never fails. It never gives up. The love of God will keep you afloat. The love of God will cause you to triumph. The love of God will bring success into every area of your life and cause you to be irresistible. Woo! Glory to God. And people will want to be around A mama, a papa, a sister, a brother, a friend, a church, whatever, a business where love rules. The love of God. The Bible says it is shed abroad in your heart and in my heart and it's shed abroad by the Holy Ghost. It's the good life. It's the good life when you don't harbor resentment. See, I said by the Spirit, one step off the path of love is a step into selfishness. A step into selfishness is a step into sin. People who get in strife are people that are touchy, that are easily offended. And that are easily uh, taken in by the enemy's deception. Strife, the Bible says, brings envy and deception into the very center of a person's life. You can't stay on the path holding past grudges. You can't stay on the path of love and reserve a room of resentment and unforgiveness in your innermost being. When Jesus comes in, he wants your whole heart. He doesn't want a part of you. He wants all of you. And so, you've been done wrong, perhaps, in your life. Maybe even beat, maybe even abused. It doesn't mean that when you forgive, that you enter into a close relationship with the perpetrator. Amen? I'm not talking about that. But what I'm talking about is for your own sake, letting it go and letting it drop so that poison of resentment and bitterness doesn't kill you. Are you listening to me? And so, what are we talking about tonight? We're just talking by the Spirit. It's a good life. It's the God kind of life that He wants you to have. Thank you, Lord. It is awesome to have help from heaven to stay on the right path. I mean, I mean, how many times, you know, in life... Do we have to make decisions and choices? And we, 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 we are faced with all sorts of 
uh, different ways that we can go. Amen. You know? And that's why he said that if you will acknowledge me in all of your ways, then I will direct your path. But notice, that's lordship, isn't it? The acknowledgement of him prior to making the decision is saying, Lord, you're Lord. And I will to do your will. I guarantee you, if you live like that, you will live the good life and he will get you on the right path. He surely will direct your path. He's not going to, he's not going to trick you. He says, if you will acknowledge me, that's Proverbs chapter three, verse six. Let's look over there. Proverbs, the third chapter, the sixth verse. Of course, you know, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. That's a whole month of a series right there. But notice this. Read the rest of the verse with me. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. He shall direct thy paths. He will make sure that his path and your paths intersect. And that you're on the right path. And therefore you're going to be living a good life. But now notice this. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Or that word acknowledge means to confess, to defer to, to yield to. Lord, you're Lord. I acknowledge you today. Quite frankly, Lord, I don't know what to do about that situation. I know I'm facing it. I know it's coming up. So prior to any decisions, I ask you, I acknowledge you. What you're doing is you're asking him for wisdom. You're asking him to lead you. You see, it seems as if God is limited by our prayer life. That he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him or acknowledges him. In all your ways. As a parent, in all your ways, acknowledge him. How many of you know that no two kids are the same? I said no two kids are the same. And so you need to acknowledge him. And you need to acknowledge your lack of wisdom. And your deficiency to do this in your own strength. Life was not meant to do on our own. Acknowledge him as a parent. Acknowledge him as a grandparent. Acknowledge him when you face business decisions. Lord, it seems like, you know, everybody out there is selling this product or everybody out in the marketplace is doing this. But Lord, should I do that? Is this what you have for me? Is this what you want for my business? We have to acknowledge him regularly in the church. Because there's a million and one things you could do. A million and one things and programs you could get involved in. Many of them awesome. Many of them great. But good things don't necessarily mean God things. There's a lot of good things, but what we want is the God thing, which is the one thing, or those things that he's led us to do so we can stay on the path. So in all of your ways, acknowledge him. As a parent, acknowledge him. Out there in the, the world of Employment, or out there in the world of investments, or out there in the world of of uh, uh, of choosing careers and vocations. Lord, I acknowledge you. You said in your word that I'm fearfully and I'm wonderfully made, and I know you've got a plan for me. My head right now doesn't know what your plan is, and there's a lot of things I could do, but I only want to do what you're leading me to do. Now, researching things is not bad. 
And looking at different things is not bad. But all the while, you should be checking up down here. You should be checking up with the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. Amen. A person said it like this. That the answer to a million and one questions is to be led by the Spirit of God. Let's look back at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And as you pray in the Spirit, that which is unclear can become clear to you. But you'll have to turn this off and keep this on. The problem with most Christians is they're more active up here than they are down here. God never told us not to use our head, but our head should never be in front of our heart. That's why he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. He didn't say trust in the Lord with your head. He didn't say trust in the Lord with your reasoning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let's look at the Amplified again. Ephesians 2.10. Thank you, Lord. Let's praise him for a moment. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship. God don't make no junk. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. The creator of all creation created you in his image and in his likeness. You're born anew that you may do those good works. You're predestined, planned beforehand. Taking paths which he prepared. Paths which he prepared. Paths which he is not preparing, but paths that he's already prepared. Isn't that something? Past tense. Taking paths which he prepared. How do we know it's past tense? He prepared it ahead of time. That we should walk in them, living the good life, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Let's look at that, those three words, four words. Everyone say, living the good life. Living the good life. Say it like this. God wants me, God wants me to, live to live the good, the good life. life. Now hold that right there. Interesting. When the message of faith came on the scene real strong in the 70s and 80s and very strong in the 90s. There were people that wanted to live the good life, but they didn't want to walk in his ways. They didn't want to walk in his paths. They wanted the byproducts of walking in his ways and in his paths. But they did not want to do what it took to get to a place to living the good life. And I'll I'll be honest with you, you don't see them anymore today. They're gone. Because these are people who tried the word. They tried the word. Nowhere in the word of God do you see, but be triers of the word. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. I can hear Keith Moore say this. A lot of people say they tried the word. He said, no, no, you're wrong. The word tried you. (laughs) The word tried you. Amen. And the word of God will try us. See, the Word of God will test the motives of the heart. Man, you can get into that. 
Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Is this all right? Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. So don't be one of those who just go after the good things. You know, even when Jesus walked, they followed him for the what? They followed him for the loaves. They followed him for the fishes. They followed him for the miracles. Okay? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. And uh, notice this with me. We may have to look at it, the Amplified as well. Let's look first at the uh, King James Version. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be God. Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the twelfth verse says, uh, For the word of God is quick, that means it's alive, and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And this word pierces even to the dividing, dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow. In other words, the word of God will get into your soul, into your spirit, into your body. Hallelujah. And notice this. And also the, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Or in other words, the motivations of men. The last part of uh, Hebrews 4.12 in the Amplified says, it says, exposing and sifts and analyzes and judges the very thoughts and purposes of heart. Let's talk about this for a minute. If you want the good life and you want to walk in his paths, your heart has got to be right. Say it with me. My heart has got to be right. Our hearts have got to be right. Our motivations have got to be pure. Motivations of the heart. And so the word of the Lord sits through all of that. Amen? David said, try me. And see. The word has eyes. All things, the Bible says, are open and naked before the eyes of him. Of whom we have to do. Say with me, the word has eyes. So the word sees into the heart. My goodness. David was a man after God's own what? He was a man after God's own heart. Do you remember when the prophet came down to anoint the next king? And he was there at Jesse's house and all the older brothers marched in first. The prophet said, no, not the one. No, he's not the one. He says, do you have any more boys? Yeah, we got another boy. He's out there tending the sheep. You you really want him to come? David, the Bible says, was Rudy. He was young and Rudy. He was kind of red complected. And When David walked in, the prophet said, he's the one. Why? Because man does not look at the outward appearance. God, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And so evidently the seer saw something in David where his heart was right before God. And you know something? David was not perfect. And you're not perfect. And I'm not perfect. David proved that he was not perfect by committing adultery with Bathsheba and then having her husband go into the front lines to have him killed to cover his sin. And then Nathan the prophet, the seer, came along and pointed his finger right in David's face and said, you're the man. David did not try to cover his sins. David immediately went into sackcloth and ashes. And he repented before God. Create in me a clean heart. Lord, see if there's anything in me that doesn't please you. 
And that should be something that we do not to condemn ourselves. But you and I should have a heart check on a regular basis. Because God sees the motivations of the heart. And in spite of David's past failures, and in spite of my past failures, in spite of your past failures, God continued to use David. And God called David a man after his own heart. And so, a heart's got to be right. The heart has got to be pure. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Man, I don't know how we got into all this, but it's all right. Look at your neighbor and say, it's all right. Glory to God, it's all right. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Having therefore these promises, everyone say these promises. Now, these promises are directly connected with what he just said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And some of these promises that he's talking about is, for example, look at verse 16 of 2 Corinthians 6. He says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of what? You're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. So God is saying that I will dwell in you by my spirit. And he said, if you'll come out from among that which defiles, I'll be a father unto you, says the Lord Almighty. And then he goes on to say, now, in light of these promises, dearly beloved... Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Doing what? Perfecting holiness in the reverential fear of God. Let me ask you this tonight. Were you made holy when you were born again? Absolutely. The Bible says you were created in righteousness and true holiness. When you were born again, God saw you as holy. But now that you are born again, the Bible says you must be holy. Are you listening? You're made holy, now be holy. And in order for me to be holy and you to be holy and to walk in those paths, to live the good life, a heart's got to be right. And we must cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So that... This can be perfected in our life. Now, I'm not here tonight to clean your house. I'm not here to clean your clock. But you know what's right and you know what's wrong. You know what's not right, fleshliness. And you, want, you know what also may not be right, With spiritual filthiness. Unforgiveness is one thing. But he says now. Purge yourself from these. Let's close over in 2 Timothy 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse. Right around verse 20. Thank you, Lord. I'll try this out on Sunday morning. This works nice. <laughs> Ooh, there could be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Second <laughs> Timothy two twenty one. Actually, notice with me in verse. Uh, Verse 19, but the firm foundation of the Lord stands sure and unshaken, bearing the seal inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names himself by the name of the Lord give up all iniquity and stand aloof from it. Verse 20 in the Amplified says, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also utensils of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. So what we want to center in on what is honorable and get rid of that which is dishonorable. 
Now notice here in verse 21, this is shouting ground. If a man will purge himself from these, from what? From these dishonorable things. It coupled with 2 Corinthians 7, 1, cleanse yourself from all filthiness, so forth, so on. If a man, therefore, will purge himself from these, notice this, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto what? And prepared unto what? So when we get rid of those things in our lives that shouldn't be there, we are able to be used by the master and we're prepared for every good work. Now remember our text, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works. Unto good works. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. To walk in the good works and to walk in the path that God has preordained for you, there's got to be a purging of things that are not honorable. Look at this verse in the message version. Let's look over there in the message. Message. Verse 20 in the message. In a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets, nice, huh, and silver platters, but waste cans and compost buckets. Some containers used to serve fine meals, other to take out the garbage. Look at the next verse, verse 21. Become the kind of container, this is our prayer, Lord, let us be the kind of container that you can use To present any and every kind of gift to your guests for their blessing. Father, help us to be a blessing. To walk in your paths. Thank you, Lord. It's awesome to be able to make the right choices. How many of you got some decisions you need to make here real soon? I mean, quality decisions. You got some decisions to make. I, I didn't look at any of my notes tonight. I was prepared to preach a humdinger. We'll have to hum and ding later. Now, this this will help you when you're making a decision. Ask yourself. How does it seem down here? How, how does it seem down here? Am I, am, I getting a, am I getting a witness or am I getting like a check? Someone asked a, a certain individual. He was a very successful minister. But, you know, you can be a successful business person. You can be a successful husband, whatever. He says, now we know that God called you and... The anointing of God's Spirit is on you, but from your standpoint, is there anything you do that you would say has contributed more to your success than any other one thing? He said, I always follow my deepest premonitions. What was he saying? He was simply saying, I always listen to my heart. I do what my heart tells me to do. I follow that inward witness. Jesus himself said this to Dad Hagen in a vision. He said, if you will learn to follow the inward witness, to follow that leading of the Spirit, he said, I'll make you rich. I will guide you in all the affairs of life, financial as well as spiritual. He went on to say, some think God is only interested in their spiritual well-being and nothing else. But he's interested in everything we are interested in. The Lord spoke to him and said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to their being covetous. He went on to say, I have followed that inward witness. And he has done just what he said he would do. He's made me rich. Amen. Not a 
multimillionaire, but certainly abundant supply. Well, if that'll work in your pocketbook, do you suppose that'll work in your daily life? Just follow your heart. What is your heart telling you to do? What is your heart saying to you? Follow your heart. Not your understanding. Follow your heart. Glory to God. The inward witness is a safe guide. Thank you, Lord. Another guy that... uh, I think he had, I don't know, not very much money at all, but but it was turned into millions and millions of dollars. Lived in the state of California years and years ago. He said that I'd always get these opportunities to invest in something. And the first thing my mind would say, boy, don't miss out on this. This is a sure thing. Or sometimes he'd hear, boy, don't invest in that. You're sure to fail. He said, what I would do, he said, I would go into my prayer closet, sometimes two, three days. He said, I'd come out for meals. And he said, not for 24 hours or anything like that. But I'd wait on the Lord and wait on the Lord until I just knew on the inside whether to invest or not to invest. And he says, in all these years of investing, I've never missed it. I've never lost money. Why? Because he was following his heart. Amen. Should I take this medication or shouldn't I? Should I marry this person or shouldn't I? Should I have this surgery or shouldn't I? Should I do this or shouldn't I? Should I go here or not go there? Check up down on the inside. Because you've got a sure guide that will put you and keep you on the right path. Let's spend a few minutes in prayer tonight. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. We all face situations. We all face all sorts of things in our life. But Lord God, tonight we just come as a church to acknowledge you in all of our ways. Father, we acknowledge you in our, in our spiritual life. We acknowledge you in our emotional life. We acknowledge you in our church life. We acknowledge you in our family life. Lord, we acknowledge you in our investments. We acknowledge you in our parenting. In every area, Father, we acknowledge you in all of our ways. Thank you. Just go ahead and pray out of your heart right now. Father, you said in your word that you, by the Holy Spirit, would show us things to come. Lord, what we don't know, help us to know. What we haven't seen, help us to see. Lead us and guide us. And all the truth for our lives. Masikele. Oh, brekishe vandola bravaye. Nengele bakalite. Masutore me neshe. Mele We refuse to be pushed. We refuse to be pressured by outside forces or outside circumstances. We refuse to be pressured by the enemy in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Matele bukaridese. Amulabakele matoshele valama. We pray for your guidance, Lord. We acknowledge you in your own heart. Just say, Lord, I acknowledge you in that area of my life. I acknowledge you, Lord. Should we do this? Should we not do this? Lead us, God. Suramateshte. Abanutaramaneshe. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance. Thank you, Lord, for your leading. Hallelujah. 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 And so the plan of God and the purposes of God are not limited to our own understanding. If we're going to have to understand everything before that uh, we obey God. We're never going to walk by faith. And that's why he said, I want you to trust me, son. I want you to trust me, daughter. 
with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. I believe the Spirit of God would just encourage us never to elevate our understanding above the Holy Spirit's leading. Never have that preeminent. The Spirit's leading. There are times, and and I'm not saying that this is a specific case or a word of knowledge or anything, but I know one thing for sure, the enemy wants to pressure people into making hasty decisions sometimes. And I have discovered that when Mark Thomas, when Pastor Mark makes hasty decisions based on pressure, most of the time it's wrong. Now listen, the enemy will try to pressure you between two wrong choices sometimes. You follow what I'm saying? And try to get you to say, well, it's just either this way or it's that way. You choose. How many of you know that with God, there's not always a plan A and plan B. There could be a plan L. And so take the time. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord Jesus.